Uh, let's do just a quick review. If you're new or visiting, we started a new series. We're uh, describing uh, who we are as Northview. And last week we went over uh, who we are. And we pointed out three things that uh, you can go back and listen. Uh, you can go to our website and download the message and listen to all the finer points. But basically the three points that we highlighted last week is number one, we point people to Jesus. If you want to know what we're about, if you want to know what we have and what it is we're trying to give away, if you want to know what the cell is here, it's Jesus. He's all we got, and we think it's pretty good. But uh, if you're looking for something else, we don't have much else to give you. We have him as Lord and Savior, him as Christ, him as risen from the dead, him as our salvation, and that's all we got for you. So uh, that's who we are as a church. The second thing we said is that we point people to the Bible. Well, it froze again. Greg, can you move me? Thanks, bud. All right, we point people to the Bible. In other words, it's not just a book. It is the living Word of God, and it's good for all kinds of stuff. Some stuff we like, like teaching and edification and encouragement and promises. Some stuff we don't like, like rebuke and uh, correction and discipline and all that sort of stuff. But the truth is, it is an absolutely invaluable resource. It is not just a peripheral thing, and we don't treat it as peripheral. It's got incredible things in it. And here we try to get people to read it for themselves. And when they do, they get excited. They go, did you know that was in there? Yes. Yeah. And they never knew before because they hadn't read. Oh, that's where that is. Wow. And it it just becomes uh, such a bigger deal if people read it for themselves. And so our encouragement is that people are not only in the word, they become people of the word. And that's what we try to do. And then the third point we raised last week. Oops, I goofed. I messed up. Okay, you keep going. You do it, and I'll. Uh, this we'll put this away. This one ain't working this morning. It works now. All right, amen. We train people to follow the coaching of the Holy Spirit. That is so important in the Christian life. It is not you pulling up yourself by your bootstraps. It is not work harder. It is not be a better person. It is listen to the Holy Spirit and follow His coaching. You ever had one of those bumps where, hey, you should call that person. And you called them up and it turned out to be miraculous timing. And they say to you, how did you know? Oh, I'm just good at guessing. No, right? Well, the Lord told me to call you. I felt like I was supposed to reach out to you. Wow, if you hadn't, I don't know where I'd be right now. It's that kind of thing. It's not woo-woo stuff or anything. He's a real person. He's here. He's the third person in the Trinity, and we desperately need him. All right? And that's what we covered last week. So this week we're going to look more at our mission and who we are as a church with our mission. So before we do that, let's pray together. All right? Father, as we go through this, I've been amazed this morning already, Lord. So many things pinging, and it's just kind of going all over the place, and uh, you have been speaking to people and it's not all on the same thing. One person came up and said it was about this and another person came up and said it was about this. And, and so it's just alive this morning. We bless you for it. As we walk through it, you have full permission to ping any of us on any level or issue that you want to highlight. And Lord, we seek you for that. We ask for your favor in that. And uh, we give that to you in your name. Amen. All right. This is our mission statement. You will see it all over the church. You'll see it on our website. We try to plaster it in as many places and as often as we can. It says, Northview Community Church is committed to encouraging people to become more like Jesus. You've all found that process so easy, by the way, right? (laughs) That's why we got to do it together, all right? We're committed to encouraging people to become more like Jesus by celebrating God, 
by serving one another and sharing God's love with our world. We break it down into these three things, really simple. Celebrate God, serve one another, share Jesus. It's something you can take home. It's something you can lock in in. And as I go through the message this morning, I'm going to ask you, which one of these three is God highlighting for you? Which one of these three stands out that you need to pray more about, that you need to engage more in, that the Lord's trying to get your attention on? So let's start this morning. Before we move on, let's, start, let's talk about the first part. It says we are committed. What does committed mean? It means it is our purpose. So when we do services, when we do youth group, when we do men's retreats, we do women's retreats, when we do community groups, when we do all these different things, our purpose is that these three things would happen. Not always in the same order, not always with the same uh, amount of uh, intensity for each three, but that all three would happen as we do this as a church family together. So let's start with the first one. We're going to talk about celebrating God. It starts with what's known as the greatest commandment. A person came up to Jesus and said, What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And you see that that's not only in Mark 12, but it's also in Deuteronomy. Jesus was quoting what's called the great Shema of of Deuteronomy. O Israel, hear, O Israel, your God is one, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. One day we'll be able, we might be able to go on a worship thing and just tackle this on a deeper level. But for today, let's just say that, or underline the fact that worship is my giving honor to God with all. I want to underline, underline, highlight, bold, italicize, all my being. I am fully engaged with him. It is my worship, my celebration. Thus, worship becomes multidimensional. It becomes multi-expressional. It becomes multi-generational. Worship is the expression of my life to God. My heart, my soul, my mind, my strength are all engaged in the expression. That's why we call it celebration. Um, we felt celebration. And by the way, if you say, well, how come worship's a more biblical word? I challenge you on that. Go in the Bible and look at all the places it says to celebrate. Look up the word celebrate. You'll be in celebration. You'll be really challenged on that. God talks about celebration a lot in the Bible and about celebrating him a lot in the Bible. But it's engaged in expression. Worship is I love God. Why? Because God loved me. God reached out first. God went out of his way. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he came my way. And therefore, because he loved me, I love him back. It's a reciprocal response. He has given me all of his heart. So it's only reciprocal that I give him all of mine. Not part of it, not half of it, not 62.3%. Right? All. So worship involves all of my life and all of my activities. Now here's where, right, we know it can go a little sideways a little bit. It gets uh, twisted and broken up into a couple different things. Let's look at a couple of these. First of all, uh, we have an amazing tendency as humans to compartmentalize our lives, guys especially, right? This is my work life. This is my family life. This is my entertainment life. This is church. And none of those things connect between. I, I keep them separate. 
And and then even with that, church life gets broken down too. All right, this is my volunteer time, and then this is my worship time. Usually, mean that's when we're singing, and then this is the message time. And and so there's a tendency to reduce worship down to 15 minutes of song expression on Sunday morning. That is not what worship is. That 15 minutes on Sunday morning is an expression of my worship that comes out of the entire week of worship that I have experienced. It's so easy to lose the concept that all of my life is worship and that God wants all of my life. Another spin that happens is that I come to church uh, to experience worship. And you've heard this language before. Have you ever heard anybody say, man, I'm going to church so I can get filled up? Right? Oh, I've had a tough week. Man, it's been dry. Man, it's been difficult. I'm going to church to get filled up. Now, we, we understand what we mean by that. And we know that means, okay, it's been a tough slog. And I just really need to get recharged by the Lord. But then there's another kind of twist that I think really comes from Satan under that is that I really come to church to get, not to give. Right? It's what I get out of the service because I need to be refilled. I need to be filled up. And it starts to become about what I want. And so I come to church to see if church presents to me what I need. And if that boneheaded pastor can't get it, I'll go to another church and see if that pastor can give me what I need. And then we start to church hop because we're looking for what we need. And you know what? When you get on that that merry-go-round, you can church hop the rest of your life and never fit in because church isn't about what you need. Church is about what you give. When I come to give, it totally flips the paradigm. You'll see in several ways. We'll talk about it this morning. But... Rather, I I come to get filled up rather than I have worshipped all week and I come to give back, to express to God my thanks for the week that I had with Him. In other words, as I've gone through the week, I've experienced God. I'm excited about some things. And when I come, this is my offering to Him and I share it with the other brothers and sisters and we do it together. And that becomes then what we call worship. We call it celebration. We celebrate this. If you think relationally, think of all the things you celebrate, right? As couples, we celebrate our anniversaries and we get all excited about, hey, remember uh, we got married and hey, let's go out and celebrate or we celebrate families. We celebrate birthdays, right? We go on vacations. What's that? We're going on as a family to celebrate our family and we're going to take a break together and and just have this wonderful, perfect time in the car for 2,000 miles, right? Probably should rethink that one a little bit, but... Right? We celebrate all kinds of things. Uh, that is part of a, and that's what church should be, is a celebration of it. Now, there's another twist that's wrapped around this word then, because when we talk about expression, here's where we get all knotted up. All right? Now, the problem is most of us come from European stock, which means we come from, uh, you know, Swedish or Norwegian, or we come, uh, those are really emotional, responsive cultures. Uh, if we're not, we're German, that's even better, right? Or Dutch, or right? So we tend to be, so we're white and honky, okay? And that, that, So we, we be a little bit stiff, right? And we hear the word expression and we go, ah! right? And we freak out over that term. But I want to suggest that expression is part of 
the normal part of it. Now, here's where we get in trouble. Some of you have grown up with this, and you would recognize this the instant I say it. We grew up with the saying, children are to be seen and not heard. Because children should be respectful. Children should be proper. And if they would just sit there and be quiet, they would be great children. That was made by parents, not by God. All right? And we've got to, get, we've got to cut through that. The idea that I just say nothing, let me give you the flip side of that. When I come home, one of the greatest things when I come home is when the family's excited to see me. Hey, Dad's home, right? If I come in the door and they'll go, hey, hey Dad. Hey, I'm home, yeah. Oh, okay. As a dad, when I walk in the door, Dad, hey, hey, right? It's so exciting. Walk in. How's your day going, honey? What's going on? It's so exciting to me because they're celebrating that I came home. And I want to suggest that our Father in Heaven celebrates and gets excited when we come to gather together to celebrate Him. And so we've got to unstiff ourselves, all right? We be of the stiff people. We've got to unstiff ourselves. And uh, this is a faith thing that we have to grow in. You know, think about it. We feel a restraint in church we don't feel in other places. We are maniacs when we go to football games or soccer games or basketball games. Have you ever watched some of your moms on the sidelines? There's one gal on our soccer team. She's got a British accent. She is hilarious as all get out. We all go to the game just to listen to her get angry about the soccer game. It's really funny in an English accent, right? And, and she's delightful, but she is very animated. And, and she is just a kick. Uh, but then we, we just go cold when I come. I must be spiritual, right? Kind of thing. And I want us to challenge that thinking a little bit. Now, here's the thing. I don't want us to be wild. I don't want us to be out of control. Nor do I wish for us to be fake or have insincere posturing, right? Like we all go, oh, raise our hands. Oh, turn left. Oh, turn right. Okay. You know, like cheerleaders. Okay. You know, doing that routine. I, I don't want that. But I do want to argue for balanced, appropriate expression there is truth to the idea that i give expression demonstration to who and what i love or to who and what i worship and if i celebrate god i'm not just going to sit there and be stiff you can find this in scripture by the way um this story is in second samuel and you know the story israel was coming they were bringing the ark into the city. They were bringing it to Jerusalem. And there was a mighty throng. And David was leading the throng. And it says he was dancing with all his might, which means he was leaping and jumping and singing and just having a hoot. We would call it a rock concert. Right? And he was doing this. And his wife watched him do this. And she was a great encouragement to him and basically just tried to shut him down and shame him. What she said is, oh, my how the king has distinguished himself today among the maidens of Israel, i.e., you look like an idiot. Right? And David comes back with these words. He says, It was before the Lord, notice the dig here, he, exclamation point, come back, who chose me above your father and above all his house, ouch, to appoint me as a prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. David wasn't going to stop, even if it was a wife trying to stop him. He wasn't going to stop celebrating. He wasn't embarrassed. He wasn't 
He didn't think it was outlandish. He didn't think it was stupid. He didn't think it was foolish. That's why God says he was a man after what? God's own heart. Maybe God is a whole lot more about celebration than we ever give him credit for. Right? I think God likes to celebrate. I think he likes it when we celebrate. And, and you know, when, when we come to church, sometimes we get locked up, right? We sit there and, a mighty fortress is our God. Ball work. Oh, right. And then we get in trouble because then we have the whole, are we Baptist or charismatic? And all our charismatic friends, you know, influence, should we raise our hands? Should we? And we don't know what to do. And then we sing all these songs. I lift my hands up, right? And we're saying, I lift my hand. I lift my hands up. I lift my hands up. I got to do something. I lift my hands up. Okay. I lift my hands up. Awesome coffee. I lifted my hands. You should be happy. I did something. No, that is not what we're talking about. All right. We're talking about appropriate places to learn how to express ourselves in worship, that it's alive, that it's balanced, that it's healthy. It's an issue of heart. It's an issue of passion. And what we are arguing for is balanced enthusiasm. Zach, our our worship leader, has done a great job with the postering around the church. And out in the hallway, he has on one of the posters, he, um, he has written what it says worship should be here. And you have to go find the poster. I won't tell you where it is. But it says, Worship should be vibrant. Worship should be passionate. Worship should be thankful. Worship should be enthusiastic. And worship should be honoring. Anything wrong with that list? Is that not a great list? Think, listen to it again. Worship should be vibrant. means it comes from my heart. It comes out of passion from my heart. Worship should be passionate. should be thankful. Gratefulness is a great signature imprint on the people of God. It should be enthusiastic, right? When we go to a football game, we yell like me, right? And you can tell we're really into it. And we we go equally as wild if it goes wrong. Demonstration Husky game last night. All right? How could they do that? That's a lousy call, right? We're very animated till we come to church. I love God. Go, Right? We've got to break out of that, all right? Because that's a straitjacket God never intended us to be in. Now, taking into account, there's vast differences in personality. Some of us are introverts. Some of us are extroverts. You're saying, well, Steve, that's easy for you. You're an extrovert. Of course you can do that. But here's the thing. You take all the mixes together. You put them in a group like this. If we are vibrant, even if you're an introvert, if you're vibrant, you're passionate, thankful, enthusiastic, and honoring, it shows up in how we worship. We sing, well, I can't sing pretty. The Bible does not say you have to sing pretty. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Okay? I don't care if you sing like a gravel truck. Sing, right? What's phenomenal? If we got a whole bunch of gravel trucks singing together, we sound pretty good. You ever notice that? It really doesn't matter. And so the reality is, it, you take all the personalities and blend them, it's amazing what God turns that into, and it becomes something bigger than us. Part of the problem with inhibitions is I become way too aware of the people around me and not aware enough of God's presence. So church becomes about what other people think, not what God thinks. I, I, I fall into that. I don't know if you guys do. I do. I, I have, uh, for me, uh, I have an inhibition that uh, I stumble over, and that is I don't have a problem raising my hands and that kind of stuff. I have a problem. For me, when things get really honoring to the Lord, I feel like kneeling. 
I grew up in a tradition where you genuflected. I grew up in a, a tradition where you kneeled, right? And at the time, I couldn't make any sense of what the whole thing was about. But now, as I look at it, I go, you know what? A real symbol of humbling is kneeling. But we don't have kneelers. We don't have this kind of stuff. And I go, oh, look at this new stage. This is awesome. That's about the right height to kneel at. And I thought, gee, if I just knelt there, I would work really good. And I thought, yeah, but there'd be a whole bunch of people watching me. And then, like, what's wrong with the pastor? And is he in sin? You know, and... and I'm thinking, no, I'm just trying to worship, and, you know. So, so if I struggle with that, I assume you struggle with that. But here's the thing. That kind of thinking robs us of our passion. That kind of thinking robs us of our worship. That kind of thinking robs us of our celebration. We're all way too worried about what each other think instead of what God thinks and come to celebrate Him. We're not celebrating each other. We're not celebrating the band. We're not celebrating Steve. We're celebrating Jesus. We should be more concerned about what he... Does that make sense to you, right, as we're thinking that through together? Now, here's why. If we don't celebrate the Lord, if we go stiff on that, then what happens is there's two lies that really hook us. One is the devil gets us to start thinking, you know what, it's not real. There's really nothing happening. There's really no Holy Spirit. There's really no presence of the Lord. There's not a lot happening. And therefore, I start singing like there's not a lot happening. And I start participating like there's not happening. And I don't know if you, you ever been to a party where, like, you look at your watch, how long is this going to go? Right? Can we get out of here yet? Kind of thing. What, what's the spirit of that kind of party? Right? Does anybody want to be there? No. All right? But if you ever go to a party, it can be any size, big, small, whatever. A bunch of people that are having a ripping good time laughing. They invite you in. Boy, you want to stay at that party, right? I, don't, I can't tell you how many parties we've been to. We said we'll go there and we're only going to be there for an hour and a half. And five hours later, we come walking out. Why? Because we had such a ripping good time talking to people, we couldn't get out of there. I always tell Pam, you're being way over optimistic about what time we'll get out of there. She'll go, we'll get there and we'll be out in 30 minutes. You aren't getting out of there in three hours. I got news for you. Because we'll get there and it'll be so much fun, you will not want to leave, right? And, and I bet you a lot of you can do that. Well, that church should be like that. It says God dwells in the praises of his people. But if we're not praising, if we're dried up, if we're singing like he's not really here and it's just a bunch of songs they got to sing, and how many more is Zach going to throw in? Oh my gosh, he's killing me, right? Well, if we're in that mind frame, then nothing really happens. Nothing really. And the other thing that doesn't happen is it, it robs us of, uh, when we get robbed of our passion, when we get robbed of worship, then we have this danger of celebrating the world. It's really easy to celebrate the world. Uh, how many people miss church on Sunday because of Seahawks games? Now, is it wrong to go to a Seahawks game every once in a while? Yeah, of course not. But people are way more enthusiastic about the Seahawks. We wear all the jerseys, we wear all the gear, we wear all the garb. When Zach wears his Denver stuff, we boo him, right? And anybody walks in with a San Francisco jersey or a uh, Colts jersey, it's like, ooh, what's wrong with you? Do you know Jesus, right? <laughs> we get really passionate about that stuff. But we, we don't seem to get that passionate about the Lord. In 1 John it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes. How much is that? Right? 
Big time stuff. And the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. I want to suggest the loving the world is easier to do today than it's ever been in the history of the world. And the love of the world is still a powerful idol, a powerful draw. Um, have you seen this commercial? And I hope you have because I did second service and first and they all looked at me like, what TV do you watch? I'm going, the same one you watch. It's on there. Where are you? But there's this sports commercial and there's, uh, it does all these different like sports things, you know, boxing and all these different things. But it starts out with an inline skater. He's got the sticks and he's going up this mountain pass. And then it flashes all these words really quickly. It goes, compete and strive and discipline and dedication. You seen that commercial? Somebody, please, Laura, thank you. Someone's seen it. One out of us. Nobody else has seen that commercial? Well, it's, it's for the Olympics. It's, it's, I, okay, you have to watch for it. But in the middle of this commercial, the word worship flares up. Right? All these other words and worship. There it is right there. Yes, worship sports. It's as clear as day. And I went, whoa! And, and Pam and, or I mean, Abby and Mac, whoa, Dad, what's, I yell at the TV. And they, what? Did you see that? What? That word. They said to worship. And they go, it did? I go, look at it. And they're like, it flashed too quick, you know. But it, yeah, actually worship. Worship sports. Worship man. Worship human effort. And by the way, a lot of human effort is really amazing. Stunning. The Olympics are coming this summer. I'm not saying do not watch the Olympics, all right? I love the Olympics. It is astonishing. But there's a danger in Romans 1 where it talks about worshiping the creature rather than the creator. And dare I say that I think sports have become the high place in our culture today. Uh, When you look at um, what sports has done and how it's usurped Sunday, worship man instead of God, we've wholesale sold out. Why? Because we say it's real. Versus singing about a God who's supposed to be here but isn't here. See how quickly our faith can get chipped and shot if we don't uh, lock on? And so... um, then what happens is time. There are things that exist today that did not exist 25 years ago that clamor for my time in a way that has never existed in the history of the world. I brought a few of them along. Some of these things you will recognize, all right? But this one, I, I brought my computer. Yes, I'm a Mac person, all right? Aren't I awesome in something? No, really, you know what the deal was? The rest of the staff said, well, Steve, we're going to Mac. And you can go PC if you want to, but if you do, we're not helping you. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off the Mac I go, right? So, but this is incredible. I can open this up. Which way is the right way? Here we go, right? I can open this up and I can be doing stuff on and you think I'm looking at scripture and I can be playing cards, right? So here's the thing. It's a dual-edged sword in that it can draw me to God or it can draw me farther away from God and draw me to the world. And it's very powerful in its influence. With this, I can go on a thing called the net, right? I can go on this thing called Google. And I can look up darn near anything that ever has, is going to be, or are thinking about, existed in the history of the world. It's incredible. But you know what the problem with this is? This is too clumsy. This is just an albatross. This is like you still use a computer. So then we said, all right, that that doesn't work, so... You remember when these came out? Right? 
iPads. Wow. Do you remember the buzzer on iPads? Do you realize iPads are less than 15 years old? This is incredible. You can take this in your car, get a Wi-Fi hotspot, and as you're on vacation, give one to your children, and they love you the rest of the trip. <laughs> Dad, this is such a great vacation. Okay? I'm glad we shared meaningful time together. All right? This is way smaller, way more portable. But now, for me, see, I'm an I'm a immigrant to this stuff. I'm trying to learn. My kids, it's natural. And so they just... Well, Dad, use the iPad. I don't like the iPad. I just was getting used to the computer, and it's already outdated. That's not fair. And, and they go, well, you just hit these buttons. How do you know that? Because that's how it works. Yeah, but how, where's the book that tells me how it works, right? Anybody in my pain? Come on, help me. There we go. Thank you, right? But this is incredible. It's really portable. It's, you don't have to keep it in the house. You, it, it can go all kinds of places. But you know what? That's still way too clumsy, and way too awkward. So now we got these. All right? This baby right here is awesome. You can get GPS on this thing and you can find yourself anywhere on the planet. All right? I can find every donut shop in Mill Creek. It's a phenomenal deal. I can sit there. I can, I can Google anything. I can take this with me. I don't even have to be in my house. I don't have to be in my car. I can walk around and talk to my family 2,000 miles away like they're right next to me. I can look up anything. There's this girl named Siri that everybody's having an affair with. I got it upside down. There we go. Siri. And you just ask her and she tells you everything, right? Like a genie in a bottle. It just rub it. She comes out and it tells you where to go find stuff. All right? This, this is amazing. This, when I started in, out of high school, I got hired in uh, computers, believe it or not. I, irony is everywhere in this world. And I got hired with an IBM 360 mainframe computer with soft packs and disk drives. Anybody remember that? Right? Some of you worked on that, John Templin. Yes, you did. And that thing filled up this room. Hey? This little deal right here has more computing power than that entire computer had in that room. This can do things that machine never even dreamed of. It is unbelievable. Huh? But, but see, that's not enough to have computers or iPads or phones because we still got time. So then at our house, we have these, our TV remotes. Ha ha, and we have two of them which really confuses me because I'm like, why does this work this way? And you try to hit these things and God help you if you hit the wrong button (laughs) because you are lost in cyberspace for the next three hours, right? Unless one of the kids are there and they go, Dad, here's what you do and you do this and you go, huh, what? How did that work? And it's, Dad, this is for that, this is for that. And then you have to learn Netflix, right? Because that's not anything, but you have to know where to click. And I'm like, can't there be one? You know, just why can't there be one button? Push it, it goes on, and then does what it tells you to do. No, that doesn't work that way. I counted uh, last night, and I may not have this right, I counted 784 channels available for your viewing pleasure. Anybody remember when there was three? Right? And it went off at midnight. Ta-da, ta-da, national app, boom, go to bed, that's it, we're done. It never shuts off now. Right? You have all this, and here's the problem. Even that's not enough. So now, if we're still bored, we have this. Right? Now, I was informed by my son, Matt, that I grabbed the wrong controller this morning. 
I said, what do you mean the wrong controller? Dad, that's Nintendo. <laughs> and I looked and things, sure enough, Nintendo. I said, well, what's wrong with Nintendo? Dad, nobody plays Nintendo anymore. <laughs> I said, it's having a comeback. Only in your world, Dad. <laughs> we have not just Nintendo, we have Xbox, we have, I mean, Cube Box, we got SpongeBob SquarePants, we got, I mean, you name it. There are more gaming things. And if you think about it, there there are incredible. We've got Halo and all this stuff. So here's the thing. We come to church one hour a week to figure out how to love each other. And we spend the rest of the week figuring out how to kill each other. (laughs) Right? Shoot, shoot, bang, bang, you're dead. Wasn't that awesome? And we have whole night parties around the thing. With multiple people playing. I remember the first time I walked in and saw four people playing a game of Halo together and went, how do they know what's, that was the most amazing thing they might have ever seen? Now they have whole groups that meet together. There, it was actually a restaurant down in Mill Creek donated to gaming. Did you, have you seen that? It's right next to the lodge. Uh, and they're thinking of um, moving, but it's, the whole thing is dedicated to gaming. All right, what kind of pull does the world have on us with that kind of availability? Remember when you used to have to run to the store and steal something and steal a magazine to find something? You don't have to even, all you have to do is one click, you're there. Now, are those things bad? No. Very good, very helpful. I am thrilled I live in this era, even though I can't figure out how they work. But they can be a tremendous pull towards the world and um, it, it becomes really uh, quite, quite frightening Here's the key to worship. How much time do I spend entertaining myself versus serving God with my whole heart? What does the, what does the, the uh, cyber world tell you? We have provided all of this because this is what you deserve. Have you heard that language on TV? You deserve this. Okay? And it ought to sober us that the world is telling us they will give us what we deserve. If we go to the world, we may just get what we deserve. Right? A, a key tip on worship, by the way, this it ties to this in a kind of a weird way. My mentor, Jan Hedinga, when I first started out ministry, said, Steve, uh, he said, I want to teach you a principle. And he, he always taught me that worship on Sunday always began with how I spent Saturday night. He said, Steve, worship starts on Saturday night. You've got to get prepared. You've got to get ready. That's when you've got to go over your message again. That's when you've got to pray. That's when you've got to confess any sin. That's when you've got to be right. And you've got to get a good night's sleep. You've got to be rested so that when you get up and you're ready, you can give your all in the pulpit and you can emphasize the things in the right places. If you're tired, you'll miss it. You'll, you'll get things out of order. You won't do well. You know, and I found that principle to be really true and you can see the effects of these things on that principle because a lot of us are burning the candle at both ends of the candle on Saturday night. And then we can't figure out why Sunday worship is flat. Uh, it, it, it's one of those things where Saturday night was preparation for getting my heart ready for Sunday morning. It is really hard to worship on Sunday morning if you've been watching movies till 2 or 3 in the morning. You ever done that? And that's what happens with TV is, oh, there's this on and this on and this on. And now you have, like Netflix, you can watch seasons of shows. 
Okay, I'll just get one more episode in. Episode 3 of season 65 of something or other, right? And you can watch all these episodes and not just one show, but you can have five or six shows so you can stay up till 6 in the morning and still not even get anywhere close to where the plot line is because they never give you a plot line because that's what keeps the show going. If I pack a whole weekend with things that I want to do and then I do all of those things and I do all of them with gusto, I throw myself at them, it's really hard to have anything left for Sunday morning. You ever notice that? You ever walk in and go, wow, we sound flat this morning. I can tell you why. We've partied our brains out all weekend long on Saturday doing everything we wanted to do, seeing all the movies we wanted to see, doing all the stuff we wanted to do, and when it comes to Sunday, we're gassed. It shows up like this here. How is this usually expressed? I hear. See if you've ever heard these comments. Oh, we had a really busy weekend and we couldn't make church. You ever heard somebody use that one? I always wonder, gee, what were you doing during the weekend? What was so busy that you can't make church? Of course, I'm the pastor and I can't ask that. That would be wrong. We've been working a lot and Sunday is our only day of rest. I thought we rested the Sabbath in the Lord. That was, how is it that we now have turned that, my rest is outside of the Lord. Here's another one you, you probably recognize. This usually shows up in email version and it usually shows up in Shannon's area. Shannon, I know we signed up to help with the children, but we won't be able to make it. I hope you can find somebody else. And you know when that email usually shows up? Saturday night. Yeah, Friday or Saturday night. And then suddenly it's left to scramble like all Dickens as if he can make people appear out of nothing. Right? It's having an enormous impact on church even if we show up in church. And that's what I'm arguing for is that this love of the world thing is no less than what it was 2,000 years ago. And we've got to have our guard on it. There's just so much more. Okay, we can't get there. Let, let's go on to the second point, but I think, I think you understand what I'm talking about there. We are to worship passionately, exuberantly. To do that, you've got to be prepared for it. You've got to think ahead for it. The second point is serve one another. All right? The uh, first commandment is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and strength. Then the second is like it. Jesus said right here, as soon as I get it up there for you, there, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these two. This is what we're built around. All right? Loving God, serving one another. Galatians says this, for you were called to freedom, brothers, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, a lot of us go, you know what? Couldn't you have just let the second half off? God, I understand how to love you, but the people around me are gunkies. They're weird. They irritate me. They bother me. I love them. I don't even like them. Okay? And why did you have to tack that on? Can I just love you? And God comes back and resoundingly says no. You say, well, how do I know? In 1 John chapter 4, it says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You will find this over and over and over in the New Testament. 
that we are to love God with all our heart and we are to love the other brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's not always the easiest thing to do. Have you ever realized that you need to pray for something you don't have? This can be true in your marriage. This can be true of your children. Right In your marriage, God, love them. I don't even like them. Ah, I'm going to need your love for them because I don't have it. You ever prayed that love for your children? Lord, I need your love for my children right now because I'm going to kill them. Right? Don't give me that you don't know what I'm talking about. Hello, nice try. You know that expression thing you all just went, "Mm." Uh uh-uh, nice try. Okay? We have that. We wrestle with those kind of things. And so it becomes something that uh, we want to serve one another. When it comes to this, it's really this. A big part of the great commandment is the cross. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And I use Luke's version deliberately because it says what? Daily. Picking up your cross is not easy. It's very easy to chuck the cross and go run to the world and let it try and fulfill me. But it's to pick up your cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The way of sacrifice, the way of denial, the way of the cross is no more popular today than it was 2,000 years ago. And if there's empty seats in here, the reason is because we preach the way of the cross, not the way of if you come to Jesus, you can get everything you want and you don't have to worry about the people around you. God will love you anyways. We don't have that gospel here. You know, when Jesus came, he came to a bunch of people who weren't very likable. And we are called to love people who also aren't very likable. This shows up in all kinds of different ways. Often I'll I'll get asked the question like we were advertising a step-by-step, right? And we talked about all the things that we need to do and all the body things and all the effort to kick in. And a lot of people have asked me, well, Steve, what benefit do you get out of doing the step-by-step banquet here at Northview? Like, have you seen a lot of people come to your church? I had the guys in the network asking this. I said, Actually, no one. We've done it for three years and we haven't seen... Well, we saw one family, they came twice and then they didn't come again. But yeah, really nobody. And they said, well, do you, do you get your name in the paper? You know, do you, do you, are you in the paper and, and the community knows what a great church you are and all these things? I said, well, actually, no. We, we don't put it in the paper and we really don't want to advertise all the good things we do. We're not doing it for that reason. We're doing it for the Lord, so we really don't put it in the papers. And it consistently comes back, but yeah, what are you getting out of it? Do you see how we've changed? Right there is the difference between the world and the cross, because in the world you never do anything unless you get something back. What's the return on my investment? We've become very, very pragmatists in terms of if I get something out of it, I'll do it. If I don't, I'm not having any part of it. And yet most of the Christian life is giving away stuff that you never see and you never get a result back. You know, when Jesus came, he didn't get a whole lot when he went to the cross. The results came later. And likewise, I think we've become way too, I need it right now and I want to see a result. And if you don't give me the result, then I'm not participating. And I just think that's one of the ways that the twist comes in. When I express that we do it to serve others, I get the comeback, well, yeah, well, sure you're serving others, but what do you get out of it? And I tell them joy, and that makes even less sense to them. It's hard for people to understand that the answer is nothing 
and that that's the beauty of it. Even some of us. Why would we do that? It doesn't benefit the church in any way. It benefits the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus. That should be enough for us. Have you noticed how that's kind of gone out of the church in the last 20 years? And I want to suggest that we have to get back to it. Jesus said this to the man who had invited him to a banquet. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, the blind, and might we uh, add uh, fatherless families? And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid where? At the resurrection of the just. Margaret has a little thing on her computer that says your reward's not down here. And I think we've we've in danger sometimes of making it my reward's down here instead of it's at the resurrection. All right, enough of that. I think it makes sense. Yes, we have to love each other. Newsflash. Even that person sitting next to you. Yes, you do. Commandment. Not a request. Not a suggestion. You got it, honey. It's awesome. All right. Third one. The third one. So we have the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Second, we should love our neighbor as ourselves. So we serve with each other. We serve each other. Then the third one is we share God's love with our world called the Great Commission. You know this. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That is still present tense. That is not past tense. That's where we make a danger in reading that in past tense. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So by that reading, he is still here. By that reading, he is still Lord. By that reading, all these commandments that we've been asked to love God with all our heart, to love each other, and to share that love with other people who don't know him yet, are still all on the table. Now, we spent a great deal of time and energy on the first two values of our mission over the last few years, and that was because it was necessary. When I came to Norfew, not only was Norfew broke, I was broke. And I don't mean financially. And I said to the church, we're going to take the next year and a half and just become us. We're going to get, we need to become Norfew. I said, I need to become Norfew. They said, well, you're the pastor. I said, yeah, I know. But I've been saying North Shore for 25 years. You realize how hard that is to shift to Northview? Right? There's all kinds of other names they could have named the church. Couldn't have been North. It didn't need to be a North something. I had to become Northview. And so did the church. We had all kinds of little groups that had to coalesce together. And then it did. And God gave us health. And then this happened. Remember this? So much excitement while we came in. And oh, it was so cool. God was doing stuff. This is miraculous. We should have never got in here with the little posse we had. God just did unbelievable things. That's why we still believe God has a dream for this church. And we came, do you remember when there was no sheetrock on the walls and it was just studs and, and conduit was laying all over the floors and we had a big prayer meeting in here? And all these walls are signed with prayers and scripture all through the building. And some of you wrote those prayers and some of you signed those scriptures and on the wall. And I remember I sat over by that green exit sign. Kayla was on my shoulder and she wrote on above the double doors coming in. Now, she's in college. I don't even know if she remembers that, but I remember that. Do you remember where you signed? Yes, you do, right? God was doing something awesome and doing something amazing. And 
So we spent a lot of time, but now I think it's time for us corporately, from both a team and a family perspective, to give attention to the third value of our mission, sharing God's love with the world. Uh, And I I just got to tell you about my week, all right? So that you know this isn't just pastor speak. So I had a fabulous day on Wednesday. I had an absolutely fantastic day. If all my days pastoring went like this, I'd pastor forever. It was phenomenal. I went from 8 in the morning to 8 at night, and every single thing rang for the kingdom. It was incredible. I met with a couple at 8 in the morning, and they are doing some great choices and done some faith. I went, wow, I'm so proud of you. And they walked out, and then I went home, and um, I met with a, a hardwood floor guy. So when we moved in, I promised Pam hardwood floors, and 10 years later, she's getting them, right? Isn't she a saint? Yes. She's a godly woman. Patience is a virtue. And so, uh, well, she wasn't patient, but we just didn't have money. Okay, so, but she's getting out. But the, I got to listen to this guy's story. The guy came to Christ in Mexico, and not only that, but his whole family is the story of how God swept through their, their town in central Mexico and how all these people came to Christ. We talked, what, 45 minutes? Something? It was one of the most encouraging conversations. I had. And then I came to church, and I met with this guy who was in massive trouble, a really good, loyal guy. He had violated his own principles. And we sat down and walked through it. And when he walked out, I walked him through the kingdom of God. And we walked out. His friend called me back later and said, hey, he gave his life to Christ while he was in the session with you. I went, whoa, seriously? He goes, yeah, he's a new man in Christ. I went, how spitting awesome is that? And then I went to another meeting where a guy had come out of major crisis, had come out of a cult background in his Christian life. And we met and walked through and just broke some things open, and it was so exciting. And this guy is making great turns. And then I met with another guy. That, uh, another fan. And then I met with another guy who gave his life to the Lord last week. Matter of fact, he's sitting right back there. Hi, David. How you doing, man? Give a hand. Give David a hand. Brand new brother in Christ. I was like jacked. I was telling everybody about my day. I was so excited. And that's what we've got to realize is about when it comes to sharing, it does something for us that nothing else in the Christian life can do. When you see the kingdom of God formed, it's forming right in front of you and the person in front of you, it does something to your faith that nothing else can do. It's amazing. It's wild. And some of the best promises in Scripture are located there. Look at this promise. In James it says this, My brothers, if any one of you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. A lot of us are like, Oh God, I failed you and I've sinned so much. You want to know how you get over that? You share your faith in Christ with somebody and they come to the Lord. It says it covers a multitude of sins. I'm going, what an out! What a fabulous hoo-hoo! I got a lot of... There was a guy named Steve long before there was a pastor, Steve. I got news for you. Ray and Jackie were here and, and down in California. I shared my story and, and Emily, their, their daughter, went, I never knew that. Whoa. Right? Some of you got the same thing. You want to get free? You want to feel freedom? Share Christ with somebody. It's amazing what that does. Another promise is in Philemon. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Something comes alive that doesn't otherwise happen. Now, here's the thing. You don't all have to be Billy Graham. Now, did you see Billy Graham turn 97 this week? 
Isn't that awesome? Then we had to explain to our kids who Billy Graham was. Right? <laughs> but we don't all have to be Billy Graham. But here's the thing. Together, we can reach a lot of people, and we need to start doing that. Corporately, as a family, we need to start bearing fruit and seeing people come to Christ. Because not only will it change them, it will change us. And we need that as bad as they need it. On the 29th, David Goebel is going to come. And David is the head of Alpha Northwest. And he's going to lay out a picture and a vision and a portrait of what Alpha could do for us, how to help us reach people and help them uh, come to a place where you sit around a table, you have a meal together, and you, you listen to the claims of Christ. And, and you can talk about it. And uh, we just got done doing the dry run tonight. Matter of fact, is the last one. And we'll do the three, then we're going to evaluate. And then on January 10th, we're going to, we're going to start. And I want to ask this morning for you to pray, who is it that you could invite? Who could come with you? Who could you walk in and sit at a table with? And who could you bring that they would be able to consider the claims of Christ? Our goal is to provide a format, a discussion, and a place where people can investigate what Jesus said about himself instead of everything they've heard out in the culture about what he said in so here's the idea as we're, we're rolling. If you're looking as a church, we want you to, to join us. Now, some of you are the core. You're long joined in. This will be refresher. But if you're newer, here's what we want you to join us in. We want you to join us in passionately worshiping Jesus. We want you to join us with that. We want to join us in sacrificially serving and loving one another. So when announcements like step-by-step and stuff come, don't just sit there and say, hey, that's a good thing. I hope it goes well. What can I do? The way you start, you know, you can volunteer to take the garbage bags out and keep the garbage empty. That's a valuable thing to do. You could do that, right? Join us in serving. Join us in sharing the good news of Jesus with our world, your world. Again, who could you pray for in November and December that you could invite and they might come in January? Take some faith, right? Join us in being committed to the kingdom of God. This is not about us. This is about the kingdom of God. Join us in that. And then join us in bringing glory to the name and person of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it is not about us. It's about Him. It's, him who, it's He who rose from the dead. It's He who died on the cross for our sins. That's what it's... It's not about the, the worship band, although they do a good job. It's not about the pastor. Hopefully, I do. It's, not about, it's about Him. We've come to express to Him what we think. And so this morning, I want to do something different with you. We're going to pray, but it's a different kind of prayer. So I'm going to ask you to stand, but this is a, a responsive prayer. And I'm going to say a phrase, and when I get done with the phrase, you're going to say amen. And I do not want amen. All right? I want you to think through these phrases. And I want you to say with enthusiasm, with passion, amen. So let me give you the first one. Here's how it go. Lord Jesus, may we be alive in your spirit. And you would say? Amen. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's keep going. Come on, Litke. We can rock this thing. Where's your guitar? Let's walk through this together. All right. May you be compassionate and heal us of our idolatry. May you wash us of our sins and cleanse both our minds and our spirits that we might serve you with joy and gladness of heart. May your name be sung among your people. May we honor you with the honor that is due your name. May we bless you for your saving grace. May we love you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. 
May your name be greatly praised. Lord Jesus, draw people unto yourself. May they taste and see that you, the Lord, are good. May you manifest your presence in this place and in your people. Short one's coming. Strengthen our faith. Give us courage. Sustain our hope. Grace us with joy. And in your name, Lord Jesus, we all said, Amen. Amen.